Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We'll be taking your calls and questions throughout today's program at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to some of those emails during the Ag PhD mailbag time a little bit later in the show. Uh, our topic today is going to be visual nutrient deficiencies and we'll focus on corn today, but a lot of these things you're going to see at similar stages in similar places on other crops. And I, I think this is kind of interesting. And I'll, I'll just tell a, a story about a tree in my yard. So I had, had this tree and the leaves were green. It was a birch tree. Leaves were green in the veins, but yellow in between the veins. And I thought, man, that looks like iron deficiency chlorosis in soybeans. They look very similar to that. And sure enough, I, I uh, know an arborist and said, hey, what's going on with this tree in my yard? It looks looks kind of funny out there. And he said, well, he goes, my first glance at it, it looks like you're short of iron. And I said, really? It's interesting because to me, those leaves look just like soybeans that are short of iron. And he said, yeah, it's it's iron deficiency and you need some more iron for that tree. And sure enough, um, he had a way of providing iron for the tree and it did green up. It, it was pretty impressive. And when we think about nutrient deficiencies in corn, our topic today, we get those questions a lot during the growing season. OK, I'm noticing this. Can I foliar feed? Can I wide drop? Can I, you know, do something, side dress, whatever it may be to deliver nutrients for that crop and get a response? And you can quite often get a visual response where it looked a little yellow and we made it darker green or, or it had stripes on the leaves and now they're gone on the new leaves coming out, those kinds of things. You definitely can visually make an impact on the crop. The real question is, can I make money by doing this? If I feed that crop, can I get more yield or can I save any yield loss and those kinds of things? And more times than not, we found, you know what? You already lost yield. Now, could you stop the yield loss if you say, hey, I've got a ticker going off here and every day I'm losing another bushel. Could I stop that? I think you can stop it. But I do think that a yield price has already been paid if you're seeing a visual nutrient deficiency out there. Now, for our farm, we've got heavy soil, for the most part, heavy soil, no irrigation. And we don't farm in an area that's normally blessed with a ton of rainfall during the growing season. We get a little bit most years, but but not that much. So for us, when we see, all right, I've got a visual deficiency out there on crop, that's a, well... This fall, we'll go deal with that. This fall after harvest, we'll get out there and try and fix that so we never see that again. And I, I'm just thinking of a, a piece of ground that I purchased, oh, probably six or seven years ago. And I remember there was a strip where there used to be a building site and, and whatnot, and they had torn down these old buildings, and, and there's still a little bit of junk laying around. But not, for the most part, it was cleared out. And I went in there and planted corn the first year. And sure enough, we saw just some crazy stuff out there. And I thought, man, I'm super short in phosphorus. And I had some plants turning purple. 
I had just some some other crazy uh, micronutrient deficiencies. It turned out to be uh, out there too. Just just some weird things. And sure enough, with a good complete fertility program, we took soil samples. We addressed whatever issues there were. That's been some of our better ground now, uh, just over the last couple of years. So you can turn these things around, and you can get to a spot where you aren't going to see that all the time. You know, when you think about your garden, your lawn, or your crop fields, it's very similar in that regard. If you are short of nutrients, you can address it, and and going forward, not have those issues come up. Uh, I, I had a question this morning that that came regarding drought tolerance. And I think about that too in our fields where we've got these nutrient deficiencies taken care of and we've we've got all of our nutrients up to a good enough level where we should be able to get a 200 bushel corn crop or a 70 bushel soybean crop based on fertility. We're in good shape and we can tolerate uh, quite a bit of time there without catching rain. We've got a lot more window to catch the rain before we start really losing things. But that's another thing to think about. Oh, hey, Darren. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, let's let, let's get into specific things that people need to look for as their crop is coming out of the ground. And the biggest one is usually purple corn, purple uh, any crop. That's a lot of times phosphorus deficiency. And it's caused by a couple of things. One, you may be short in phosphorus. But the other thing is that ground may just be extra cold. And that's part of the reason why... A lot of people will still use starter fertilizer just like we do, even though our soil test levels are really high. But even though they're really high on phosphorus, we know that phosphorus doesn't come available when that ground is super cold. So that's just one of those things where even sometimes when you look at the soil test, you may need to do more. And here's another thing that I want to bring up to people because you brought up iron deficiency chlorosis. Okay, is that truly an iron deficiency or is it a soil pH issue? So especially when we're talking trees, there are a lot of these trees that they like a six or six and a half pH, and then we don't see as much of that iron deficiency chlorosis thing. Same exact thing with soybeans. If you have an eight pH, you are very likely to have iron deficiency chlorosis. So is it really the iron problem? No, it's, it's the, the soil pH. Now, granted, you will benefit by adding more iron, especially the earlier in the season you can do it. But that's just one of those things. So we want you out in that field all the time when you see a nutrient deficiency, let's figure out what's going on and not just in, as far as, okay, it looks like this deficiency, let's figure out why we have that problem. So phosphorus to zinc ratio, for example, if you've got too much phosphorus, zinc doesn't get into the plant. So lots of things can cause your problem. Yeah, the other thing too, just the last couple of years being really dry, sometimes you see plant tissue analysis saying, well, you're short in this, and then you get a rainfall and it does push some of those nutrients in. So do look at soil tests in addition to plant tissue tests to really get an idea of what you may be short in. We'll talk more about visual nutrient deficiencies in corn coming up right after this. Stay tuned. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it 
depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about visual nutrient deficiencies. And we're going to focus on corn, but if you've got questions on other crops, we can certainly talk about that too. And also encourage you as we're speaking here uh, to download the free Ag PhD Crop Nutrient Deficiencies app. So we've put together an app with the help of our friends at AgriLiquid with a bunch of different crops, uh, probably a couple dozen crops. And uh, just for example, I just pulled up cabbage, and I can look up what a chloride deficiency in cabbage looks like on this app. Or alfalfa, you can look up, okay, we hear about boron being really important in alfalfa. What's it look like if we're short? Uh, you can pull up pictures of what a boron deficiency looks like and, and also get some helpful information, too, on um, not only what does it look like or how does that work, uh, what are some of the symptoms, uh, what's the effect on yield, uh, just a, a lot of different things there, quite a bit of information, and it's all free. So I'd encourage you, again, the Ag PhD Nutrient Deficiencies app. Uh, speaking about AgriLiquid, got Ryan Harbison right now with AgriLiquid on to talk a little about this. How you doing, Ryan? Doing good, Dan. How are you? Good. Well, I'm hoping that because we're having this discussion today, visual nutrient deficiencies in corn, I don't have to see any in my cornfields this year, but I'm guessing I might see one of them somewhere because hopefully we'll get to 300 bushel corn this year and we start running short of something we weren't expecting. Absolutely. That's why it works every year, isn't it? We, we go into it with the best of intentions, but it's always a good idea to get out of the truck and get out there and go check these out and kind of be able to see what you're looking for here. All right. So my brother kind of steered the conversation uh, in our last segment to, well, what should we be looking for right away? And I would say phosphorus is by far the number one thing that I hear people talk about early, but are we missing something? Are there some other nutrient deficiencies that show up fairly early we should be concerned about? Well, I mean, I think that's going to depend on the environment and time of year you're going into with looking at kind of what we have coming at us here, uh, 
kind of cold, wet soils. Phosphorus is that one that we usually look for right off the bat to see if it's something we can address. You know, when you think about that, a, a lot of pressure gets put on, well, I better put some in furrow or in a two-by-two. And so we think about your product, ProGerminator, that we happen to use on our farm and have for quite a few years. We love that one. It's got some orthophos in it. It's got uh, so, some longer-chain polyphos in there, too. So there's kind of a balance that, that we see a, a release of phosphorus over a long period of time. Do you get enough phosphorus out of something like that in, in a normal situation, an in-furrow or a two-by-two, two, to overcome a soil that's really short in pea? So, I mean, one of the things we look at, and, and we stress this to people, that you know, we're a crop nutrient. So if your sto- soil is really, really stressed in pea, that's something that we're going to need to look at uh, uh, other management techniques to to correct those kind of uh, deficiencies. But for the upcoming season, absolutely, we can we can get in there, and there's different management tools you can use, such as split applying your phosphorus, which is something that we're starting to do in different research studies that we can see to help alleviate some of these uh, deficiencies once we see the onset of them. All right, when you think about corn and, and a lot of seeds that you're putting in the ground, we could have the same discussion on. You've got nutrients in there, so that corn kernel has quite a bit of nutrition in it and it's going to feed that plant for a little while and I, I'm certain that it's designed to be enough to to allow that plant to get a root system out there where you can go find nutrients. So I like the approach of having nutrients close so that young root system can, can find them pretty quickly. But how long until that seed energy runs out and what are some of the things that we can do uh, to try and keep that crop going all the way through the season? So whenever we look at season-long nutrition, again, um, there's a lot out there now. You mentioned in-furrow and two-by-two at looking at putting putting different um, phosphorus products, such as ours. We have SpringUp and ProGerminator. In, in those different situations to where as that root grows and before we run out of that seed energy, that we're running into different bands of fertility as the growing season goes along. Therefore, we're never letting that crop stress. Yeah, I think that's a great strategy, and and not just with N, P, and K, but with all the nutrients that we've got. We've had a couple of rough years of drought here, Ryan. I think the tide's turning. I mean, here we are, April 24th. We haven't got a kernel of corn or soybeans in the ground yet, and normally we'd be rolling by this time. But it's just been a little wet here, which is great. I'm, I'm happy to have that turn of events. Moisture is needed to raise a crop. But... Um, you know, when you, you look at uh, heading into this season, if if you are in an area that's dry, and I know a lot of our listeners are, uh, what are some of the things we should watch out for? Because I think about nutrient stratification and, and other things like that, that deeper place nutrients might come in even more handy if we're dry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we got to look at whenever we look at, uh, let's, let's say potassium is a big one in my area, that you know, whenever we get in these dry soil conditions, that potassium is going to be held by the soil and not necessarily be readily available. So choosing the proper potassium source and then placing that to where you're actually going to be able to use it, um, that's going to be an important key whenever looking at certain things. So in those dry years like that, I look at my potassium, uh, again, source and where I'm putting it as a key thing to kind of get me through until those rains come. 
All right, as we look at mid-season, we've got crop growing really fast, and I hear a lot of talk about this rapid growth syndrome, and I just don't believe it, Ryan. When when I look at our fields that have had this kind of a white or yellow flash at the top of corn plants, every time that we've pulled those plants, we're short in a micronutrient. It's most of the time zinc for us, but I've seen it with sulfur as well. We're just growing so fast, we can't get enough of that nutrient in. What what have you seen with rapid growth syndrome in corn that people talk about? For me, it, it seems to be more sim- or more problematic for us in new ground that we pick up and ground that we haven't built the fertility in. Well, I think you make a good point there. I think that's going to come back down to the conditions that that crop's growing in. And so we've seen maybe a similar thing in my territories to where you've got some of that ground that maybe hasn't been uh, everything kept up on as well, or, or the soil's not in balance. And so whenever you do hit that big growth stage, we see the same thing. We usually see a micro or secondary nutrient deficiency in there. And, you know, if you're seeing it on those new leaves like that, that, that helps you narrow that down what that could be. You know it's going to be a immobile nutrient that, that we need to be looking at some stuff. But it's important to get out there and look at these things. That way we can uh, properly diagnose and get a solution out there to kind of overcome that. All right. I mentioned as we started the show that foliar feeding can definitely help put some more nutrients into the plant. But if you've got a big time deficiency out there that you're seeing, you probably already lost the yield. What's your experience with that? Do you kind of feel the same way or do you think, no, 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 we can, we can shove enough nutrition in there. We can, we can totally overcome it. So honestly, I think that's going to depend on the crop that you're growing and the amount of severity of that deficiency. So if you've got a pretty severe uh, case of, let's say, sulfur deficiency, I don't know that there's any chance that you're going to completely get back and overcome that deficiency. Now, are we going to protect what yield we have left out there by making an application? Absolutely. But that's something to keep in notes in the back of our head that the next year going into it, we know that we have the potential for that deficiency out there and we need to make the proper maintenance applications to overcome that. Yeah, lots to think about here is we've got this crop that we're putting in the ground or in some areas we've got a young crop that's just starting to really, really roll. Um, Want to be really smart about this and, and watch for nutrient deficiencies out in your field. If you're not sure what they look like, again, download the free Ag PhD Crop Nutrient Deficiencies app that we put together with AgriLiquid. It's got some great pictures there to help you diagnose what's happening in your field. Been talking with Ryan Harbison here with AgriLiquid. Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time, guys. You know, one of the things that, that Brian and I didn't talk about to start the show off was a lot of times when we were growing up and our dad saw our corn looking a little bit yellow, he always blamed nitrogen. It was, man, we should have put a little bit more nitrogen out. Maybe we can still get out there and side dress some more nitrogen. And as soon as we started doing some plant tissue analysis and, and more soil testing in smaller areas, we saw, wow, we are not short in nitrogen. It's something else. Often it's sulfur. Uh, we'll talk about sulfur and some of those other nutrients coming up right after this. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Get what you spray for results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Hi, Greg Souter. Uniform emergence is critical for high ear count and yields. Good emergence starts with the closing of the seed trench. It's almost impossible to pinch the seed trench closed from the top, no matter what style of closing wheel you use. That's why 360 Wave closes the seed trench from the bottom up. 360 Wave rolls moist soil from the bottom of the V trench over the seed, completely engulfing the seed, eliminating all traces of the trench. That means better germination and emergence. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutritia N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutritia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about something that I hope is just to give you some baseline knowledge here. I hope it isn't. Oh no, I've got this huge issue in my field, but but we're discussing visual nutrient deficiencies in corn. And I should also mention this too. We're talking about the ones that you can see. There are nutrient deficiencies in your crop that you can't see. And it's kind of like you uh, just as a human being. How do you feel today? Do you feel 100% or are there just some nagging little things that, you know, I, I'm i not not perfect, but I don't really have anything I know is wrong. Maybe my energy level is just a little bit lower, but nah, I'm fine. No, that's a sign that there's something going on underneath. And it's the same thing with your crop. Before it ever shows a huge nutrient deficiency out on the leaf, 
there's some hidden hunger there going on that, oh man, it, it could have been better. It could have put on another pod on each node. It could have put on another row of kernels, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So we want to try and beat that by finding these things in our fields, diagnosing them with, with a, a number of different measures soil tests, plant tissue tests, whatnot, to, to see what's going on. Okay, uh, before I uh, steal any thunder from Matt Swanson with Extreme Ag, we'll, uh, we'll let Matt <laughs> explain this maybe a little bit more. Matt, how you doing? Doing good, Darren. How are you? Good. Okay, so you guys farm different ground. I mean, you got you got a lot of variance in, in what you're farming and where you're farming and so forth. And I'm certain that you've come across some surprises here and there that, man, I've got this nutrient or that nutrient that can make a big difference. What do you do when you see a, a visual nutrient deficiency on your farm? Well, and you've, and you've talked about it or at least alluded to it already. I mean, by the time you get to a visual deficiency, you've had a problem for a while, right? So we try not to have visual ones. To be to be quite honest, um, but a visual a visual symptom obviously gives you a clue if it's a if it's an area you don't tissue sample or or something like that, and then that's a if if you can't identify it or the reasons why readily, that's an automatic uh, tissue sample situation even if you don't have one from the week before, just to kind of verify what you think your issue is. You know, what I found interesting when I see one plant here and there showing a visual deficiency and we run out there we pull some tissue analysis just on those plants that look terrible and sure enough it shows it but when you pull pull the plants right around it they've got the same problem it's just not quite as bad uh, but they're just hanging on by a thread and oftentimes we end up addressing an acre or five acres or 10 acres or maybe even a whole field that you know what we're we're just borderline everywhere we better build this thing up uh, what are you looking at there are you looking for numbers on a tissue test or are you more concerned about numbers on a soil test so actually I, the answer is both is, is both and that's not to be or you know try to be difficult but so part of our diagnostic program if that's what we're going to call it is yeah we're going to pull the tissues to verify what the plant's actually pulling up but we're going to pull a companion soil sample with that and usually an h3a or a, or a plant available um soil sample with it to, to verify is this a soil problem or is this a plant uptake problem you know we can have lots of a particular nutrient in but for this reason or that reason we're not pulling it up so we need to know is it an uptake problem or is it just a we don't have it in the soil problem and more often than not um it, it can well i wouldn't even say that it can be either honestly you know for us you know, if it's a K problem, we may have a low plant available K, for example, and we have low uptake. But for something like phosphorus, we may have ample amounts of plant available phosphorus, but for whatever reason, we're not getting it in, or or it's something that doesn't move, and, and we don't have roots out that far. It could be any number of explanations for for a particular problem. But to answer your question, we would use both to evaluate that. All right. We're talking about corn today, Matt, but that's not the only crop that you guys grow. Do you find corn being one that really shows these nutrient deficiencies off, or are you more likely to see it in a different crop, or, or how do you feel about that? No, I think I think corn kind of being more picky is the one you're going to see visual. I mean, you're going to see a visual nutrient deficiency in corn, I would bet, every single year you could find one. 
um, at least at some point during the growing season. And, and, and for us, consistently late in the growing season, you're going to see it. Um, beans may be a little bit trickier, and especially because, you know, once they get to a certain height, it's, it's a little bit harder to get out there and, and look at your bottom leaves and things like that. Whereas corn, you're going to be able to see that from the road pretty pretty easy. I, I had purchased a piece of ground. Well, actually, it was the first piece of ground I ever bought, and I, I had a chance. I, I got the deal done like in August, so there was a standing soybean crop out there, and I I got permission to to go check it out, and and I noticed there are potassium deficient leaves in a soybean field. And I had never seen that before. It was right along where they had some terraces and it turned out they had done push-up terraces where they just skimmed the topsoil off and built the terrace with that. So they were farming in subsoil in a little bit right along the terrace, but had never seen that before. And I remember uh, talking to my dad about that and he's like, man, I've never seen that in soybeans before. That's probably not a good sign. We we had seen it in corn before, but never seen it in soybeans. So that's why I asked that question. I was thinking, man, well, I know potassium is one that I'm much more likely to see that in the corn field. The corn would be much more sensitive, but uh, that that was kind of eye opening to me. Yeah, potassium is is one we we're going to find here almost every single year, um, especially on non irrigated ground um, because of the the nature of our soils and and how they react to being dry. Potassium is a potassium visual potassium deficiency is is one of our most frequent visitors here, especially late in the season. How about seeing striped leaves? Do you just assume it's well, it's probably zinc, or do you have another micro or another nutrient that you think, man, if I see striped leaves out there on corn plants, uh, I'm I'm heading towards one direction or another. Well, I mean, you you've got. Zinc is probably the most common that guys would say is deficient with a stripe, but I think boron, if I remember my chart correctly, has a has a stripe issue um, if you get terribly boron deficient, but it's definitely not as common because I've seen some very low boron tests as far as tissue and soil samples and, and had no visual symptoms. So I think zinc is probably your first guess, but there are some, some other potentials. You know, when it comes to the micronutrients, this is something I know there, there are getting to be more and more farmers that are really getting good levels of N, P, and K, and we see a lot of soil tests here on a weekly basis, but it seems like the micros don't get addressed as much. I know there's some fertilizer dealers that don't really don't really even carry the micros, or maybe they just carry a blended product and say, well, I'll just put this one on and we'll try and get you covered. What do you see on, on your farm, Matt, and on, on growers that you're working with with Extreme Ag? Do you see a lot of guys addressing these micro issues, or is that something where you feel we all need to step it up a little bit too? I think we still have quite a bit of work to do on the micro side. I think there's more guys using the blends and things like that. The problem that I've found is, is generally the blends are expensive relative to what's in them. And typically they don't really address whatever issue that, you know, it's, for example, we typically have a, a manganese issue in a lot of the soils that I deal with here. And, you know, a lot of your micro blends, unless it's specifically for manganese, don't have a high manganese content in them. So, you know, truthfully, our, our my ready solution to a lot of, of micro issues is we use a lot of sulfates and run them with a fulvic acid and and just run that particular micro because what we don't want to do is add a micro that we're already high in and, and make it worse, right? So I would rather pick the micro that we're deficient in and address it directly and then potentially run some stuff with it if there's a synergy with another nutrient and, you know, like a calcium boron mix or something like that. 
but I don't like the blends for a number of reasons, but typically we just try to address one micro or at least the specific micros that we need. And, and it's easier to do that when you're running individual products in my, in my estimation. Yeah. It's tough to, tough to find that perfect blend that's going to address every area. And then as you're doing smaller grids or smaller zones out in your field, it may be a perfect blend for one area of the field, but the absolute wrong blend for the other two. So uh, I know exactly what you mean there. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you. It's always good talking to you. Good luck here this season and, uh, and best of luck for your crops as well. Sounds good, Darren. You too talking about crop nutrient deficiencies, specifically visual deficiencies in corn on today's program. And we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Where are you getting your fertilizer this year? Just about anywhere you look, it's going to cost more. And you may even find it's harder to get when you need it. It sure would be nice to have a better source of crop nutrients. Believe it or not, you do. It's your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more than nutrients already in your fields, so you can add less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. It's such a solid backup plan, you'll probably find yourself wondering why Source wasn't the plan all along. Visit sound.ag to learn more. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about visual nutrient deficiencies in corn and other crops. And we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Next up is Nate Couillard with Sound Ag to talk a little bit about this. How you doing, Nate? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and I, I thought one of the points our, our last guest, Matt Swanson, had was, man, if you got way too much of one thing, don't put more of that on. You're just going to create some other issues. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's not just, well, hey, I'm short of this nutrient. Well, it might not be that nutrient's fault. It might be an overload of something else. So this can be tricky trying to balance all these things. Yeah, it absolutely can be, especially the way all these nutrients are tied together and their relationships with each other. It can get and get pretty tricky uh, pretty quickly, for sure. All right, so when when you see something, when you get in a field and all of a sudden you see some corn leaves that just don't look right or a plant that's just not growing well, maybe it's stunted or, or maybe it's yellow, something going on, uh, where do you start and, and what are some of the things that, that you do in that situation, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the first things I try to pay attention to is is – uh, basically how it's laid out in the field. Is it irregular shapes? Is it in a uh, fairly straight lines? Uh, an older farmer taught me one time, he said, nature doesn't happen in straight lines. So um, there may be something uh, man-made happening there, uh, or it could be uh, the soil types that you have and just what's showing up irregularly in the field. Um, so just start to pick your head up a little bit more, look out across the field, try to analyze bigger picture. Uh, that's where I would start and determine how much of an area this is affecting. Um, these plants are really good at, at giving us clues as, as to what's going on and telling us what's wrong. Similarly to throwing um, your body, if you see somebody with a bruise on their arm, you pretty much know what's going on there and, what, and you know, what's, what's happened to their arm. So these plants are, are good at communicating to you as well. Uh, basically what's happening. Hey, no, that's a great point, Nate, what you said about uh, straight lines out in the field. And I know we had a situation, we, we had a fertilizer spreader, it was a spinner spreader, and something happened mechanically, so it wasn't spinning. <laughs> so for a strip mm -hmm. in the field, the fertilizer just came straight out the back. And man, was that green. <laughs> it looked amazing. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that probably means we were a little cheap on the fertilizer. Maybe we should have spread that thick everywhere. But uh, fortunately, it didn't kill the crop. It, it was just looking really good. But but yeah, I, I was thinking at that moment, I wonder how many years this straight line is going to show up out in the field. Right. But, but we do yeah, see it exactly. too. I mean, where, where an old building site was or where, you know, livestock pens yeah. were, those kinds of things. You're right. There, there are going to be patterns out there that, that last a long time mm -hmm. in the field. Yep. It's easy to want to look straight down in front of you and try and dig into what's happening with the plant, but it's, it's a lot harder to just stand back, look at the whole field, look at it as a, a big picture and uh, try, to, try to pull out patterns across the field if there are any and, and see what that's telling you. You know, one thing I like to do is bring a shovel with me when I go out in fields. And so I'm always digging to see, is there a root issue? You know, do we have a, a bug feeding on things or a compaction layer or uh, is the subsoil different? I, I know one field of ours, mm -hmm. we've got areas in that field where it's a, a heavy clay subsoil, holds moisture well, and we got some other areas where it's just a sandy gravel, and yeah, it's got to rain about every week, or that part of the field's not going to look good. So I know there's a lot of right. things with soil type and soil density that are going to play into this as well. 
Right. Yep. There are so many factors happening all at once and um, just digging in and putting your investigator hat on and just digging in and trying to, trying to check through the checklist and see what's, you know, try to drill down to see what's happening there is the name of the game. I was, I was telling some stories earlier here about my dad and, and when we'd look at fields that looked a little yellow, Mm -hmm. cornfields looked a little yellow. He just immediately went to, man, I should have put a little more nitrogen out there. And (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I'm sure it probably was nitrogen, but I know there were times and this, this kind of led Brian and me down the wrong path when we were younger of, well, I don't always get a response when I put nitrogen out there. Well, does the crop always need it? And I, I like that we've got tools now to measure that, to see what kind of level do we have in the soil? What kind of level do we have in plant tissue analysis, those types of things? Uh, what do you yep. see for practices that growers are doing to try to diagnose exactly what's happening in the field and, and figure out how best to to fix those problems? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're out there in the field, uh, my, my number one recommendation was just grab a tissue test while you're there. Even if it's not something going on nutrient level wise, we can at least check that off the list. They're not very expensive. It's just a really quick, easy way while you're there in the field looking at it to just grab a sample, send it away, let's get it analyzed, and let's just confirm, you know, some of the things. Again, putting that investigator hat, starting to check through things, and, you know, some of that, sometimes that's eliminating things off of your list. So, um, just grab a tissue sample while you're there and, uh, and see what those nutrients come back as. You know, when you think about crop rotation for, for us, it's, it's very likely going to be a different crop that's in the field next year. But w- what we do see is some of these nutrient deficiencies. Well, yeah, it showed up in corn, but it doesn't show up in my beans. And I think about, um, iron deficiency, chlorosis in soybeans, farmers will say, well, those areas, the corn was fine, but the beans were bad. I know some crops have different amounts of nutrients that they need than others, but once you have one of those imbalances out in the field, my experience has been you're just better off dealing with it up front, not saying, well, I'll get to that in two or yep. three years. My, the next time that crop is there, it, it's got to have some sort of impact on other crops too. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, fundamentally, you know, the, these crops are have have similarities too. And if it's affecting one in some way or another, it's probably affecting another. Um, so I'm I'm with you. It, it it's something that's worth addressing on the sooner. You know, some of these nutrient sources take a long time to break down. Others are pretty readily available, but when you start pricing things out, it seems like the ones that break down over time are quite a bit cheaper in most cases than the ones that are going to be yeah. available right now. That's another balance to to try to solve these things. Well, if it's not really going to help me tell next year's crop and it's almost, whatever, six months, eight months, 12 months away, Maybe I can save some money and go with some of the cheaper sources of nutrition. What What do you see when when you're looking at at I mean a pretty broad geography and lots of different crops? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what I mean. What it really comes down to is what we apply. We want to make sure it gets into the plant. It doesn't do us quite as much good if it's just getting into the soil but not making it into the plant. So when we talk about the nutrient tie-up and things like that that are happening there. Applying more of something may not always be the answer. It may be understanding, okay, why is it not making into my, it into my plants? Um, and so utilizing some of these products, and yes, shameless plug here for Source, using a product like Source, 
that can that can help free up nutrients from the soil and make sure it's provided to the plant and you're not just stockpiling your your nutrients in the soil that's really critically important so making sure you're balancing out in the plant side and not just uh, adding it to the soil yeah it can be really interesting when you have a plant tissue test and a soil test from the same area and you see a discrepancy there of man i got it out there but (laughs) something in that soil is holding it back so i can't get it into my plant right right yeah to your point there's just so much going on there and um and all these different relationships these nutrients have with each other and um just getting things just right to get it in the plant that's that's the trick that's the name of the game um you know and and sometimes uh, addressing it in the plant can be done a little easier with a, a foliar type product um or like i was saying one of these one of these products that you know releases things from the soil um and focuses on just just getting a little bit of something into that plant can make a world of difference. Yeah, it sure can. And, and just at the right time too, makes a big difference as mm-hmm. well. If you get it in the plant way at the end of the season, it's already too late. You already missed out on yield. So learning how to find these things early and address them is really important. Talking with Nate Couliard here with Sound Ag. Nate, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Absolutely. Thank you. Looking at visual nutrient deficiency symptoms here in corn, and if you don't have corn in the ground yet, you're probably saying, well, this would be a better topic in another month or so, and you never know. It, it, it sure could be for your farm, but there are other farms out there that already do have corn in the ground, and we're already starting to see pictures online and, and emails that we're getting from growers. Hey, what's going on here? Why does my corn look like this? If you want to see some nutrient deficiency symptoms on pictures that you can have on your phone, just download the free Ag PhD Nutrient Deficiencies app. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. 
Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day. It's Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Farmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Head over to your local CNB to get yourself a new John Deere planter or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations online at DeerEquipment.com. That's D-W-E-R-Equipment.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about visual nutrient deficiencies in corn and other crops. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Got Abe Eubank with us right now with TopCon. How you doing, Abe? Hey, I'm doing good, Dan. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing much better knowing that uh, we've got some things we can do to handle these visual nutrient deficiencies in corn. If I see them in my field, Abe, it's a bad day, and I'm not feeling very good. Right, yeah, and most of the time when we see them, we're already too late. So when you when those visual symptoms pop up, you know, the damage is already done and yield is already suffered. You know, fortunately, we can take some steps to to mitigate that loss, but... We want to get out there before those those visual symptoms really pop up and before we can see them. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, it really helps with the technology that we've got now, just variable rate, fertility application, uh, just marking where we see these things on a map that we can find them later. Uh, TopCon certainly has tons of technology, works with uh, all the big manufacturers as well to provide them with technology too. What are some of the things that you see in demand to try to help uh, diagnose and, and also just, hey, here's where that spot's at in a field, flag it so we can come back and get that fixed as soon as possible? Yeah, so a lot of the the demand that, that we're kind of seeing across the industry is we're looking for, for, like I said, trying to pick up before the human eye can detect those visual symptoms. So with all the, the litmus of, of sensors on the market today, you know, with all, with all the manufacturers, everybody's looking for that one shot application or one shot scan to say, okay, all right, this, this part of my field is we're, we're, we're behind in nitrogen and I, I, I caution people against that. Yes, sensors are great, but they're not to be looked at as a one-pass fix. And then you know we're, we're going to go across at one time, look and see, and know, hey, we got a problem here. We really need to back up and really start putting those sensors in the field earlier. And really about this time when the corn's starting to come out of the ground. So every time a sprayer's going across the field, that's the best time to, to start picking up those sensor data layers that we can get just so we can start seeing trends in the field. You know, we may not see something on this pass, but when we come across on our next pass, now if we can pick up a difference, 
maybe our eyes can't see it, but if the sensors are picking it up with either a Topcon crop spec sensor or any other, you know, NDVI type sensors, now we can see that trend in the field. Now we can go start pulling some tissue samples or some soil samples and get those analyzed quickly so we can get on top of these nutrient deficiencies before they become a visual problem that leads to yield loss at the end of the season. We get a lot of questions about different forms of imagery and, and whether that's uh, from a drone or a satellite or or like you talk about here, with we're running through the field multiple times. It just makes so so much sense to have sensors that could be watching for things that, that may be even too small for us to detect. When we have these different maps that we can utilize getting back out there and saying, okay, let's go ground truth this thing. It looks like there's a different area in my field. Uh, something's going on out there. Let's, let's go dig in and, and find it. I, I love having this extra tool in the tool belt. Right. And, you know, sensors, they're great and they can do a lot, but they, they really shouldn't be looked at as a, diagnostic tool to say definitively this is a problem we really should be looking at these different tools and maps as guiding our boots on the ground to say okay if we're going to focus on a particular field here's the areas we need to focus on and let our our eyes go and determine and our lab results and those kind of things get the actual diagnosis but let these sensors direct those those boots on the ground so to speak yeah, I like it. It's it's a new age of agriculture, and I, I look at my kids, and I'm a little bit jealous of them, Abe, to think of the technology they're going to get to work with uh, over the next 10 years, 20 years, and uh, hopefully I'll be farming all that time, but I might not be calling the shots. It might be the younger generation who, who understands this technology even more than me, Abe. Right. It's the, the technology just over the past 20 years has just grown so fast that what the next 20 years is going to hold you know it's yet to be seen but it's it's going to be neat to watch and to watch it all unfold all right so where do you start with this if you were if you were starting from scratch you said okay what are the basic pieces of technology that i really need to have for my farm well it's that's going to be really varying depending on what your end goal is or really what you, you know the size of your operation or, or what you're trying to get to for your operation at the very least from a technology standpoint variable rate application is probably the first step to, to get into you know auto steer has become you know, the norm across the the board you know with the majority of farmers adopting some kind of auto steer program so when we start stepping outside of that to build on that i really recommend variable rate fertility and being able to know what nutrients are going out and because that's just going to open up so many different thought processes and so many different um, avenues that that you can build on once you get that done and plus it's, it's a great way to to really control one of your largest costs in a farm operation today you know your fertility cost so that's in my mind that's kind of the first step a grower can get to and it's easy you know a lot of times the local co-ops are, are willing to work with you on that and, and do your soil sampling and, and kind of get you up to speed on that. So that's a great introductory point. And then once you know, growers kind of get that down, they, they kind of get used to the technology piece of it. They understand the ins and outs and kind of some of the languages. 
so then it's a lot easier to build on to it from there yeah you're right there everybody's coming into this with with different assets and well hey i'm already set up with x y and z and uh, hey, I'm already we're already farming this much ground versus somebody that's coming in with absolutely nothing. It's it is a little bit different discussion, but uh, I I agree with you. Uh, being able to to deal with fertility issues on a small scale with variable rate fertility saves money, better for the environment. Uh, you can fix problems quicker. It it's just a it's just a I don't know super super tool. Uh, we're talking with Abe Eubank here with Topcon. Abe, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Talking about visual nutrient deficiencies in corn on today's program again. We've got a great tool and it's free. It's the Ag PhD. Uh, nutrient deficiencies app. You can download that on your tablet or on your smartphone and take a look at a couple dozen different crops and and lots of nutrients, not just N, P, and K, but micronutrients as well to see, okay, where are we at here? I've got leaves that look like this. What would be my best guess as to what it may be? And as many of our guests said, you can certainly utilize soil sampling and plant tissue testing to really confirm those things and solve them on your farm. All right, let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, first question comes from Scott. He said, I'm wondering if you guys could provide information on sunflowers and utilizing pre-emerge herbicides. Uh, we're looking to plant some, but we've got so many different choices here. Uh, I was hoping for some clarification. We're only planting a small area. It's going to be tilled, but we want to have a good pre because there's not much you can do post-emerge unless you go clear field. Well, Scott, you're right. There aren't many post-emerge options other than for grass. You can control grass fairly well post-emerge, but uh, getting that pre-emerge out for broadleaf control is going to be a really big deal. Uh, I, I like using Spartan and Sonaland. We'd use about four ounces of Spartan and three pints of Sonaland in our area and our soils, but you can certainly look at the label as to what rates might work best for your soils in your area. Uh, the other thing you might do since you're just doing on a smaller number of acres, you might run with something like Authority Elite, which is a premix that has Spartan and Metolachlor in it. So you'd have two modes of action, long residual out of both of those products, but you could buy that in a two and a half gallon jug so you wouldn't have so much extra product sitting around. Now I would say this, if you keep that product somewhere that's going to be warm, uh, like in your heated shop or, or something like that, or if you have a heated garage or whatnot, you could keep that product over for the next year. There isn't an issue like that. It's just you hate to have to spend $1,000 and then use 100 of it or something like that and, and have all this product left over. So I'd either just buy Spartan and Sonaland, or I'd go with Authority Elite that's a premix that has two different ingredients in it. Thanks. Really appreciate it, Scott. Good luck with your sunflowers this year. Well, if you have an agronomic question for us, you can always email us radio at agphd.com. We'll get to it during our show and, and send you a response as well. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.